We've long been told stories that visitors from another world may give us the cure to our diseases. But when a man comes across a group of aliens, the only medicine they give him is a way to make it easier to urinate. And then we meet a young girl whose grandmother recently passed away. She was so close to grandma, she cries herself to sleep every night, wishing for just one more visit from her beloved grandmother. But then, the grandmother appeared. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun out there in the world, doing lots of cool stuff. We got a ton of stuff to cover. So first off, walking into Dead Rabbit Command is a returning Patreon supporter. Everyone get on your feet and give a round of applause for Moon Man. Woohoo! Yeah, he's floating down from the night sky. Get down here, Moon Man. Wee! Moon Man, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. Helps out so much. I was laughing because I was thinking about all of the geographical... I was thinking about all the geological catastrophes that's happened now that the moon is on Earth. Technically, he's a moon man. He's not the moon himself. Moon man, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirgible. We're going to fly close to your home out in the sky. Fly us out of Dead Rabbit Command and take us all the way out to Sweden. Got a moon man, a moon man hanging out, piloting the Dead Rabbit Dirgible. This story was actually a recommendation from longtime Patreon supporter, longtime supporter of the show, sent us a ton of good stuff over the years. Also left an abandoned child in the middle of the woods. Drove faster. You think I forgot about that, Ampus Allen? Ampus Allen sent us that story. He's driving down the road in the middle of nowhere, and a little girl was just standing there on the edge of the forest, and he's like, oh, that might be a ghost. And so he, he just plowed past her, dude. He just kept driving. Could have been a little girl looking for her way home. Who knows? Could have been a spooky, spooky ghost. Could have been a real-life flesh-and-blood human. We'll never know. But Ampus Allen... Thank you so much for sending over this story as well. This is a crazy one. I'll have to admit this is one of those stories that when I first heard about it, I thought one way. And then the more I dug into it, I go, huh, there, there might actually be something here. So let's get started. The year is 1924. We're in Scorpinge. It's not a He-Man villain. It's not a He-Man villain. We're not inside a muscle-bound freak. Scorpinge... It, it sounds pretty awesome. It's actually just the town in Sweden. Scorpinge, that's in the Angelholm district. They did, All of this stuff sounds like E-Man stuff. Angelholm, county, state, however they call it over there. Scorpinge. We're about to meet this guy. His name is Gosta Carlson. And in 1924, he's six years old and he's loving life, just as all six-year-olds should. He's running around going, Papa, Mama, look what I got. He's running around. He's so happy because at age six, he got his first beehive. Now, I'm assuming someone gave it to him and it was a box. I'm not assuming he ran home with a chain of bees in the form of a fist chasing after him. I'm sure they said it's one of those like white box ones. They go, here, son, 
Look at this. <laughs> don't touch it. Don't open it up yet. Put on the suit. Don't open it up. It's a beehive. And Ghost is like, whoa, really? Beehive? That sounds kind of lame. And the dad goes, yeah, a little bit. But it one, it'll make a bunch of noise. Kids love noise. <laughs> Kids also love welts. You love welts, don't you? Ghost is like, uh, not really. He goes, this is a beehive. It's going to make a bunch of noise. Gonna keep, we're going to put it right outside your bedroom window. You're going to hear it day and night. It's going to make a bunch of noise. And if you put your hand in it, you'll get horribly stung. If you open it up, you might die. But if you wait a while, you'll get honey. It's like the worst present ever. Just give me the honey, right? Just send me some honey. I'm fine with that. I don't need a beehive at age six. But anyways, this was Ghosta's passion. He loved bees and beehives and pollen and all all of that stuff was his favorite thing nowadays nowadays he probably what's the, what's the insect form of a furry a buggy he probably was a big old buggy right nowadays we would just be like this is this is when his fetish started but it's old timey so everything was quaint and we didn't think like that so he just loved bugs in particular he loved bees and he's like oh these are so awesome this is so awesome. <laughs> He's getting swarmed by bees. He's like, ah, this is so amazing. Nowadays. Now, he's passed on at this point. Because, I mean, again, he was six years old in 1924. What'd you expect? It's not the story about the mummy. But he's passed on. But he went from being this little boy covered in bee welts. Going, one of these days, I'm going to make bees pay off. This is so awesome. And he stands there on that hill. He's standing on an anthill as the bees are stinging him. He's like, ah, double the pain, double the fun. I'm a buggy. I'm a big old pervert. But then he goes, you know what? Someday, someday, once these stings heal, and once I become a master of the world of bees, I'm not just going to be remembered as some little boy. I'm going to be remembered as Paulin Kungen. And that is Swedish for Pollen King. He's like, I'm going to be the Pollen King someday. But I don't know if you know this about, you know, life, but there's not a lot of money in bees. There's not a lot. I mean, there's some, right? There's some. There's not a ton. We actually have some Patreon supporters who are big bee people. Sweet, sweet golden goo. Longtime Patreon supporters. So they're able to make it work. But there's not, I mean, there's just not a lot of opportunities in the bee industry. We're now in the 1940s. And his parents are like, Ghosta, Ghosta, wake up, quit dreaming about them bees. You got to go out and get a real job. And he's like, oh, man. So he gets a job as a train dispatcher, which is basically a guy who monitors the movements of trains. He's like, yep, there it goes in a straight line. Exactly what we thought. It moved in a straight line the way it was designed. And time for my honey break. He has a big jar of honey. They're all nom nom. He has type 3 diabetes. He's living the life of a train dispatcher, dreaming of bees. But on May 18th, 1946, it's 11 p.m. at night. He, he goes for a nature walk. Now, Ambus Allen was nice enough to send me over a bunch of links and recommend the story in the first place. And he did a little bit of translating for me. I had to do a lot of Google translating myself. So I think some stuff is lost in translation. I read a lot of articles on this guy. Some of them said that he was out in this clearing just walking around some of these articles one article in particular said that he was out enjoying nature he was watching birds and stealing their 
like, what is this guy? Well, who is this freak? He was stealing their eggs. He's all watching them. He's like, ah, oh, the Blue Jay, noble baron of the sky. But soon you will leave your nest. And I will put your children in my pocket. It's like, what? That's, that's not what bird watchers do. They don't steal eggs. Then there's less birds to watch. It doesn't make any sense. So I don't know if that was a translation error, but apparently not only is this guy a buggy, he also has this thing. He's all watching them lay the eggs. He's like, yes, yes. Pop that out of your body. And soon it'll be warm in my pocket. He's all talking out loud. All the other bird watchers are like, what? Who is this pervert? So anyways, Ghost Vampus Allen, when he sent this to me, he's like, oh, this is a charming story. He didn't think I was going to call a Nash. This guy's a huge hero in the country of Sweden. Anyways, call him a pervert. He's he's watching birds lay their eggs. He's stealing them, slipping them in his egg belt. It's 11 p.m. He actually was out there all day long. A lot of eggs to snatch. And it was getting dark. Around 10 p.m. He's like, oh, I better head on out. But first, one more egg. I only have 11. And I must have 12. He stays out a little bit later than he should. It's 11 p.m. And he's like, oh, I better like get back to my car. And he has this headlamp. And he's walking through this nature area. And then he sees a bright light in the sky. Brighter than his headlamp. He's like, what? What is that? What is that? And is it an angel? Is it an angel? Can I steal its eggs as well? Do angels lay big, delicious eggs? He sees this light in the sky. It's brighter than day for a moment. And then he he's, you know, obviously now kind of his curiosity is peaked. He walks over to this clearing. And he sees what he describes as a carousel in the woods. Which would be terrifying. This turns out to be a UFO. That was the best thing he could describe it as in 1946. Terms like flying saucers or flying discs, these weren't in vogue. These weren't really well known at the time. But let's step back for a second. Imagine you, I mean, if you were walking through the woods, 11 p.m. at night, in a place, he, there's no roads. Like, he has to huff it back just to get to his car. He's going to have to eat a couple eggs on the way to keep his protein levels up. He... He goes, there's no roads, and I came to a carousel in the middle of the woods. That right there would probably be one of the like top five most terrifying things, paranormal-wise, I think you could see. like It's just so weird. Exactly. I mean, would you ride, would you run up and get on a carousel that was in the woods, like, fully operational? I, I don't know if I would. That, I, you're just asking for trouble. You're asking. That's the one thing I warn you about. I'm always doing story about serial killers. Horrible stuff. I'm like, but guys, never get on a carousel. Use Ouija boards all you want. Never get on a carousel in the woods. He thinks it's a carousel in the woods. Then he sees a ramp. Come down. And these people start marching off of the ship. Like at this point, he realized it's some sort of craft. He doesn't recognize it. It's 1946. It's Sweden. He goes, oh my god, the Germans are here. The Germans are here. This must be some sort of German experimental vehicle. But it's not. That would be pretty that would be pretty alarming too. It's not what it is, it's a craft. It's a UFO. Like we know nowadays it's a UFO. He said the whole thing had to have been it's like a typical disc-shaped object with a long radar tower radio antenna almost pointing off the top about 32 feet from the top of the tower, the conning tower, 
down to the UFO. He says these people walk out, two arms, two legs, and it's so it's so it's so interesting because he goes as they were walking out. I, I didn't know what they were. I thought maybe I was hallucinating. I thought maybe it was the Germans. I didn't know what it was. Later in life, I was able to put a little more context to it. Uh, Gosta said he goes as you know I got older and time progressed. He goes I realized what they looked like was astronauts, human astronauts. And it wasn't until he started seeing footage of humans putting on their big spacesuits to go up into space to go to the moon when he could go, oh my God, those are the same type of suits those guys were wearing. And that's, again, a super interesting detail where you wouldn't know. if You, you would be like, they were really, really thick. They had really thick limbs and they just had one giant eye on their head. But as you got older, you'd be like, oh no, that must have been a spacesuit, like a stereotypical spacesuit they're wearing. He could see through their visors because he could identify that some of them are men and some of them are women. And he said the women had very modern haircuts. Again, an interesting detail. They were all blonde. They had modern haircuts. He gets this, he gets this feeling... Gosick is this feeling that he's someone's taking photos of him. Like he's being observed. He doesn't really know how. To, that's the best way you could explain it. He goes, I felt like someone was taking photos of me. But the aliens made no motions toward me. In fact, they seem to be working on something. They seem to be working on something that had to do with the craft itself. And he's just watching from the bushes. Expert bird watcher. He knows all of the unseen spots in wilderness. He's watching from the bushes. And he sees these aliens, these humanoid aliens, working on the ship. And then some other alien steps out of the ship, and he's carrying a bunch of goblets. And he hands a goblet to each worker, and the workers are drinking. Glub, 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 glub. They're drinking from the goblets, and then they were tossing the goblets on the ground. They kept working. And then they all boarded the ship, and the ship took off. So Ghosta walks over there. Very, very curious man. Ghosta walks over there. He's probably sad he didn't get right on a carousel. He's like, oh man, I wanted to pick the horsey. He walks over to where the UFO was and they litter. They're a bunch of litter bugs. They left a bunch of stuff behind. They left all their cups, all their goblets. They also apparently left behind a crystal rod and a gold ring. And he took all of it. He took all of those items home with him. When he gets home, he looks at the goblets a little bit closer and he notices there's a yellow powder inside the goblets. And his first fear is that it's toxic. You probably should want to check this out before you go home. You should have like been walking through a neighborhood and be like, hey, kid, come here. I'll give you five bucks if you lick this goblet. He's like, what? Five bucks? Sure, sir. He takes it home and he's like, oh, the, all this stuff may be poisonous. They may have been the Germans. This may have been some weird plot of theirs. But what he discovers is that it is not toxic. <laughs> he has a full stomach. He's like, yummy, 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 yellow powder. It turns out it was pollen. It turns out that these cups were full of birch pollen. And he's like, the bees have finally paid off. All of my bee, all those times I spent licking those bees. I know the taste of pollen. <laughs> he has a huge allergic reaction. His sinuses are filling up. He's taking Benadryl. He goes, oh, pollen, I knew you would come back into my life someday. This is amazing. I have pollen that aliens have, right? 
And this gold ring, I'm not worried about the crystal rod and the gold ring. I'm going to push those over on the table. They're not bee-related. But now I have this pollen. This is amazing. The find of the century. He goes to bed, and later that night he dreams that the aliens come back. And they're like, Ghosta, Ghosta, you, would you like to go on a trip with us on a UFO? He's like, is it a bee? Are there bees in there? Are there a bunch of bees? The aliens are like, uh... Uh, no, but, I mean, it's a UFO, it's from outer space, that's kind of cool too, he's like, oh man, I was hoping there'd be alien bees. He goes on the ship, and he's flying around, and he has a stream that he's with the aliens, and he also gets a message from the aliens, and the aliens tell him what that whole event was, they said, there was an emergency, we were flying our ship, and there was an emergency, and it, it actually killed a couple of our crew, and we had to do repairs, so we landed in a place we didn't know anyone was at, we had to run the repairs. We knew you were there. We found out that you were there. And then you stole all our junk. <laughs> you stole all of our uh, litter. That's fine. But uh, that's what happened. And those goblets full of the pollen. And Ghost is like, yeah, yeah, the pollen. Tell me about the pollen. The aliens go, that pollen is natural on Earth. It's birch pollen. But if you formulate it, you can use it as a new medicine that can benefit all earthlings. All earthlings have prostates, right? And ghosts like, uh, I think, I don't know, I'm not too for sure. Well, the alien said, this medicine will help you with benign prostate enlargement. <laughs> that wiped out half of our half of our civilization. We're still picking up the pieces. But benign prostate enlargement. If you take these pills. You'll pee just fine. And that's what he did. He actually founded two companies, one called Allergon and the other one called Cernatol. And basically, these were health food companies. This, this, now we're in the 1950s, so it's about four years later. The bee love finally paid off. He begins producing these pollen pills. And they work, apparently. I mean, I've never tried one. You can buy them on eBay. You know, it is, they still sell them, apparently, in Sweden, like health food stores. If you look online, the actual translation is it helps with watery discharge. Uh, on eBay, in English, is when it mentioned benign prostate enlargement. But you can buy these pills. Right now, you're like... Oh! You're in so much pain. You're like, why wasn't this episode one? Why wasn't this the first episode I've had brought prostate problems for years? <laughs> you took your sweet time getting to this story. You're like, ah, you're running to eBay right now. You're like, ah, alien pollen pills. He made fortune off of this. He made millions of dollars. And it's funny because then he became known as the pollen king. He also then took a bunch of his money and invested it in a local ice hockey team. That made him even more famous. The people who knew him at first were people who had prostate problems. They're like, oh man, really? Oh, Pauling King comes out with a new prostate pill. But then once he invested in this hockey team that ended up being like this huge hit, he was even more well-known. But it's interesting because when I heard about this story, thank you for sending it over, Ampus Allen. When I heard about this story... I thought, oh, it's a marketing gimmick. It's some, because th th this is not hidden. Like in Sweden, everyone, there's a monument to this. In this clearing now, there's a statue of a UFO. Unfortunately, it's not to scale. It's kind of small, but it does weigh three tons. It does weigh three tons, even the size that it is. So I understand, but 
People know this story. This is not a hidden thing. He is very upfront. The, the way that he got his pills was aliens visited him and gave him... Technically, he stole it. He stole the garbage. He's like, you got any more space garbage? I have gout. You got anything to fix gout? He goes, I, I met these aliens. I took their stuff. They told me how to make these pills, and that's how I made these pills. Like, he's not shy about it. But when Ambas Allen first sent this over to me, I imagined, like, a razzmatazz salesman like from pete's dragon being like oh yes yes the aliens gave me this is like a marketing gimmick right it wouldn't make you stand out in the crowd whether or not you believed in aliens it's a funny story marketing gimmick right well what's interesting was the more i read about this guy and then i started watching interviews with him subtitled interviews super sincere like he 100 believes this happened and the interviews i was watching was him far like he was in his like 70s 60s 70s around there maybe even older so it wasn't like of the time, it wasn't like him doing, I'm crazy ghost though, and this is my stuff, and da, 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 he was still marketing it. No, at this point, he had made his millions, he had built his companies, and he's still like, oh no, that totally happened. The way you would matter factually talk about something, which I thought was interesting. This is one of the stories at first, I was like, oh, it's a marketing gimmick. Ambus Allen sent it to me a while ago, and I was kind of sitting on it for a while. I was like, uh. Not that it wasn't entertaining, but I thought it's just, it would be the same thing if a guy was crazy Stan selling the craziest mattresses in town. And I covered a story about how crazy he was, right? This guy's psycho, guys. He's slashing prices so much. I thought it was going to be something like that. I thought it was just some ad, ad, ad campaign. But no, like, it may have been, I mean, we've covered so many UFO stories. This 100% could have been a legitimate UFO story. He believed it. He 100% believed it. What's interesting is because there's so many, this is, you know, a very well-known story in Sweden. And a lot of times when something's super well-known, people gloss over certain facts because they figure like everybody knows about this. So we're going to save a little bit of time and not talk about that. That happens. And then with the translation errors, there were details missing. Like, again, what was he doing in the clearing? That's not necessarily, whether he was stealing eggs or just watching birds, I mean, it's not a huge difference. One does make him a little more maniacal. It was interesting. I read multiple articles on this guy. I read the Wikipedia entry, all this stuff on this guy. And then I started looking. There's a documentary that is coming out. They're releasing it in like two or three parts because it's such a big story. And the first part's the UFO part. The second part's the hockey team part. People are showing the hockey team part. They want that separate. It was interesting because I'm looking at that. And in the documentary, they're like, what this documentary includes is, and they talked about this, that, and the other thing. And they go, where did the crystal rod and the gold ring go? And I go, wait, what? Like, I had already been looking on the story for a while. And I was like, what are they talking about? Crystal rod and gold ring. And then I kept digging and I found another article that said he picked up a crystal rod and a gold ring. That was in none of the other articles. It's super weird. I don't know what happened to that. I don't know anything more about that. Even this documentary that's coming out, like it's a very, very recent documentary. They're like, we don't know where it's at either. So it's a fascinating story. And who knows how much more stuff is out there. What was the gold rod? I mean, crystal rod. What was the crystal rod and the gold ring? I don't know. Maybe Ampus Allen can, but every, even the stuff that Ampus Allen sent me, I don't re recall seeing them making any mention of that stuff. It's a fascinating story and it legit. I don't think it, it was a scam to sell pollen. I mean, it worked. It does cut through the white noise. It gets your name out there. I mean, if you have to take any medicine, you can take Walmart's Equate brand. 
you can take the name brand from Johnson's and Johnson's, or you can get the alien brand. Which one are you gonna buy? Which one are you gonna buy? Which one's more memorable when you go to the store? So if you have an enlarged prostate and you love aliens, this might be the place. This might be the medicine for you. Also, probably if you hate aliens, I mean, if it works, it works. But that is the story of the Pollen King. Yeah, he has passed away now at this point. I believe. I believe that he's passed away this while. Well. I mean, he was born in like 1918, but uh, I would be more shocked if he was still alive. I would wonder how powerful that crystal rod and gold ring actually were. But very, very interesting story. Moon Man, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Sweden. Fly us all the way out to an apartment complex. We're going to go back in time, but not to 1924. We don't have a specific year for this, but maybe a decade or two. We're about to meet a young girl. Her name is... She doesn't give her real name. We're going to go ahead and call her Samantha. Samantha's in the second grade, and she's living at an apartment complex with her family. Samantha says that her and her family have experienced paranormal events over the course of their life. Fairly benign things. Doorknob- I mean, terrifying things, but doorknobs turning, things moving on their own, hearing footsteps down hallways, things like that. She said two notable stories is, one, her parents once were sitting in the living room watching a movie, and... Her dad was just watching the movie, but her mom kept looking down the hallway. Something kept catching her eye, so she kept turning away from the TV to look down the hallway. And the dad's not saying anything. He just keeps noticing her, kind of get distracted and looking down the hallway. And so eventually he, you know, wonders what what she'd be looking at. He turns and he looks down the hallway as well. And he sees a foot move back into their bedroom which you know that's a little that's a little bit more elevated than a doorknob turning right not saying again doorknobs turning footsteps down the hallway are terrifying but i mean like again that's your bedroom by the way that's the master bedroom that's the parents bedroom it's creepier. It's It really is creepier when you come across stuff like... That's not the whole story, but it, I mean, it's really creepier when you see things like that. It's just stuff that's unmistakable. That's unmistakable, right? Light shutting off, water faucets running. You can always start to blame those on certain things, but you saw a foot, like someone was standing there and their foot was sticking out of their doorway and then you watched it move back. Like, that's unmistakably a spirit. At best... Right? The worst is that there's a dude in there. But that story itself is even more benign than where we're going. See, Samantha, she's living in this apartment with her family. Her grandmother has recently passed away. Samantha, being only in this, I mean, death's hard to deal with at all, but only being a second grader, you're still just trying to figure out how the world works and what the rules are and, and how you fit into the greater piece of society. And now having you think about losing somebody forever, this concept of death. She goes, I was so close to my grandmother. I was so close that it just broke me. And she goes, I would sit there in my bedroom at night and I would 
cry. I would sob. I missed my grandmother so much. I would just sit there and mourn her loss. This just carried on for days and weeks. Like I just couldn't move past it. And she goes, I remember one night I just couldn't take it anymore. I was just crying. I was in so much pain. I was such an empty, open sore. I just cried out for help. I just cried out for someone, something to help me. Later that night, when Samantha should have been deeply asleep, she woke up with a start. The room was dark, and she was covered in sweat. Her blanket, she said, was she was only half covered by the blanket, as if she was kicking it off. And she probably was, right? She was just covered in this cold sweat. She was miserable. And she's groggy, and she's laying here in bed. And then she looks up. She said... Above my bedroom door, you have the top of the door frame, and then you have that gap between your door frame and the ceiling. In that area, I look up, and I see my grandma. She's floating. She's floating there. But not as an angelic presence, not as a loving friend. She said, I saw my grandmother floating there in the air. She was completely hunched over. Her arms and her legs just dangling there. And her hair was spread out. She said, it looked like my grandmother had drowned. I was just floating in the water. She's face down, hunched over, arms and legs limp, hair spread out across an invisible surface, the way you would imagine a dead woman to float in the water. Samantha said she could even see the effects of invisible ripples on her grandmother's body. Her arms and legs moved slightly, as if pushed by an unseen current. And her hair seemed to ripple as well, as if it was spread across the surface of a pond. Samantha grabbed her blanket and slowly began to pull it up over her body, staring at her grandmother's Spirit floating there until she covered up her eyes with a blanket and forced herself to go back to sleep. This story was posted online by someone going by the name Intrepid External 622. And this is a story that really happened to her when she was in the second grade. Samantha said that the way that this town was situated, the cemetery is on the same street as the apartment complex. The cemetery where the grandmother was laid to rest is on the same street as the apartment complex. And she said there is a creek that goes by the cemetery and also by the apartment complex. She points that out, not necessarily because the grandmother was floating, although that may play a part, 
And this is a very... She's going to say something that we find a lot in ghost lore, but not enough. I know this to be a fact. A couple other people know this to be a fact, but I'm surprised I don't hear it more from other ghost hunters. And it's the fact that water helps spirits move. For whatever reason. It's interesting because water is used as a deterrent against some creatures, say like a vampire, very famously can't cross running water. There's other creatures like that that can't cross running water, but ghosts, it's more conductive to them manifesting and to them moving around is water. A ghost doesn't need it to be running water or a pool. But generally in places where there is water, a ghost will more likely manifest. You don't hear that a lot, but that is true. It's also interesting, and I really wish I remember where I found this. I thought it was just an interesting side note. I was reading one day, I didn't bookmark the page. It had the theory that the reason why uh, faucets turn it on by themselves in bathrooms is such a common ghostly occurrence. It's because ghosts and spirits are always thirsty. And they're trying to quell that thirst. That's a creepy way to look at it. It could also be that it could be that creepy way. It could also be they're doing that to manifest the running water. It would explain why we see a lot of ghosts in bathrooms. As, as much as I think that's spooky, the spookiest ghost. There's a lot of running water in there. Interesting though, doesn't get talked enough about in the world of paranormal. She does think that this is how the grandmother's spirit came to visit her. Maybe she traveled along that creek. She used that to manifest. But again, when you, here's the thing, when you're mourning a loved one and you're asking to see her again, you don't want, you don't want that, right? You want to see her as the woman you remembered. You want to see that peaceful spirit, you know, being like, oh, I'm here. It's okay. Everything's fine. I'm at peace. Not a floating corpse. Which she does not say that her grandmother drowned, so I don't think that has anything to do with it. Why is she showing up as this floating, dead spirit? Now, obviously, you would say this would is a dream. She's a second grader. She's going through this whole mourning process. She's fearful of death. She doesn't understand it. She's just sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. And then she has a dream in the middle of the night, she wakes up. Or that she just imagined it, right? You wake up in the middle of the night. As an adult, you can see things. Imagine as a child, and a child in grief, seeing this thing. And, you know, it's definitely possible, right? She did go and she told her dad. The next day, she told her father, she goes, I I had the worst, I saw the worst, I don't know what it was, I saw the, I, I... Last night in the middle of the night, I woke up and I saw grandma. I woke up and I saw grandma and she was floating. And and I know this sounds dumb, but she was floating in my room and she had her arms and her legs dangling down her hair. It, it It looked like she had drowned. It looked like she had drowned and she was just floating there. So she did tell her father, right? And I think any parent would try, you know, you would tell your daughter, you'd be like, you know, I'm sure they've had this conversation with her before. Death is complicated and it's very sorrowful, but it's part of the process of being alive. And the human body is a system and no system is perfect. Everything's going to break down eventually. And it's all about living our life the way that we can. You know, you would tell 
your daughter, things like that, and try to help her get over that grief. It's just a dream, honey. It's just a nightmare. It's just your imagination. But was it? Because Samantha's dad turned to her and said, your mother saw the same thing a month ago in our room. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.